Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. My family lives in an old house, and we discovered while doing some renovations that the original hearth, built back in 1870-something, was at the very center of the home, open on both sides. And when the crumbling plaster was revealed, we could see where the old chimney went up and the smoke went out in a smoke hole in the top of the roof. I guess it made sense back in the day when a fire in the hearth was the source of light and warmth, protection and food. For centuries, the hearth, the fire, was the central and most important feature of a home, as you can hear in those expressions like hearth and home or keep the home fires burning. Today's era of central heating and kitchen appliances that mostly work Many of our homes are built without a hearth, or like mine, the fireplace has moved to a safer place in an external wall. It helped when our youngest son, Colin, came home from college back in March of 2020 now, and surprisingly developed a new hobby of chopping wood that he collected from neighbors. I was a little worried at first, and like any mom, I was like, okay, are you wearing knee pads, a helmet, some gloves, like this whole thing. But I got over it when he laughed at me. And neighbors started bringing their wood, and he would chop it because it helped him think and stay calm, and then he would give it back to them for their own fires. And now when I sit by the fireplace in my home, burning wood that he, he chopped in all sorts of shapes, I think about all those who sat by that same fire before me in that particular house. The farmers, the neighbors, the vineyard owners, the woodchoppers, the homemakers, the merchants, the babies, and the children, and the unruly teens. And I wonder how we of many households are still connected somehow through that house, finding warmth and community around a fire which begins with a small spark and extends the smoke into the heavens. Like the hearth at the center of a home in the old days, the light of Christ is at the very center of the household of faith that Paul talks about in our scripture today. The light of Christ is what holds us together in Christ's death and in his resurrection. And that's what connects us with one another and with the Lord. And if that is not our center, then nothing else matters. If that is not the source of our warmth and nurture and love and fellowship and community, then we can't be an effective witness in the world in the way that Jesus calls us to, in the way Paul calls us to. If we feel that that light of Christ has moved out of the center of our household of faith, well, we need to get back to it and live from it. Because when Paul writes to the Galatians, he reminds them, of who they are, who they are in Christ, who they are together, and how they live in community with one another. Ancient life 
was built around the households. And not just the households like we have today in our family units, but much larger in New Testament times, Jewish and Gentile households included immediate family members and a broad range of relatives, extended family groups, and kinship affiliations. That's why Paul called this early church community the household of faith. He wanted them to connect with what it was like to live with their own families. You know, your family that you get, well, you can get a little irritated with them sometimes. You can get a little sick of them sometimes. You can be in lockdown together for a long time. And, you know, things don't always go well. That's also what it's like in the church. And Paul called that early Christian community a household of faith on purpose. He did it here in Galatians, and he also did it in his letter to the Ephesians when he said, y'all are no longer strangers and aliens, rather you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you belong to God's household. And as God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone, and the whole building is joined together in him, and it grows into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. That's what Paul said, that Christ is building you, building us into a place where God lives through God's Spirit. When Paul speaks to these early Jewish Christians, he is addressing those who no longer have a temple in which to worship. There is no church building either, but there is a central reason for gathering in homes with other believers and sharing word and table. And that reason is Christ at the center, the source of warmth and protection and nurture and light. They are being built into something they could not be on their own, a household of faith defined, Paul says elsewhere in Galatians, by its inclusive boundaries, that it includes Jew and Gentile, male and female, freed and enslaved, all are one in Christ Jesus, Paul says. But community, community real community, Christian community, is hard work. Because if a community is nothing more than a group of individuals, all with dreams for what they personally need it to be, then it isn't community at all. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer warned in his book, Life Together, there is nothing more dangerous to authentic community than our dreams for it. Because we can love those dreams more than the people around us. Let's love the people around us even more than our dreams for an ideal church. Bonhoeffer said community is not a human ideal, but a divine reality. And the divine reality of the household of God is that we are often thrust together with people we didn't choose. But when that community has the light of Christ at its very center, it not only holds together, but it also connects earth to heaven and gives us a foretaste of the union we have in Christ and with all those who have gone before us and found their spiritual warmth and nurture in the family of faith. We hold together by having clarity about what's at the center of our identity. Friends, the household of God is constantly in a state of flux and change, and especially now. But there is and always has been a holy purpose in our journey. And that purpose is to be the home away from home where we catch glimpses of the communion with the triune God and where we work together 
for the kingdom of heaven on earth. We are not to tire from doing good because we are held together by the light of Christ. We carry each other's burdens when they are too heavy for us to carry alone. And I know you've been there when your burdens are too heavy to carry alone and you need to ask for help and you need your family and you need your family of faith and you need God to hold you up and carry you on. Several years ago, my husband and his co Scout leader shepherded this group of ninth grade boys on a week-long canoe trip in the Boundary Waters. Doesn't that sound fun? I didn't think it sounded that fun, but he was excited about it. I, you know, I lived with enough boys back then and my four sons. I thought this was crazy, but he went, and he loved it. And each teen and adult packed themselves a bag. But once they got up there, the professional canoe guide guy got in their bags and took out everything they didn't need don't need this, don't need this, don't need this, refilled it with things the community needed. Food, water, bug spray, ropes, whatever they needed. But the bags were still pretty heavy. So in the morning they set out, you know, the, the two adults uh, went forward, the, the kids all followed them, and they looked around. Everyone was there but one, one kid named Charlie. Again, I asked my husband, how could you lose a kid on, you know, quarter-mile walk? I teased him. He didn't really lose him. He was, that kid was still back at the camp. And he was sitting on the ground. He still had his backpack on. He was leaning up against a table. I said, Mr. McMillan, I can't get up. My back's too heavy. That poor kid, I mean, in a minute like that, I would have been like, take off that backpack, I'll carry it for you, which is why I didn't get to go on the Boundary Waters canoe trip. Because what the leaders did instead is they encouraged him, and they told him he had to carry his own load and that they knew he could do it. And if they helped him up and helped him learn to balance, he could carry it. And that's what happened. And they pulled him up, and they set him right, and the rest of that week, he carried the load like everyone else. And today, he's a teacher and a mentor. And he also learned that sometimes you need to help, and sometimes you need to be the one who is helped. Paul taught his followers to carry each other's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know what the law of Christ is? It's so simple. The law of Christ can be, it's, it's love. It's one word. It's the law of love. Paul refers to it elsewhere. That's it. Each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job, Paul says, and not, not compare themselves to others. In his words, we see the tension between taking on the burdens of others and realizing that at some point we need to take responsibility for our own stuff, whether that stuff means our wounds, our sins, our life choices. Those are ours to make. And I want to speak for a minute directly to those of you who are carrying too many burdens right now. You're carrying your own. You're carrying those of others. And you may feel tired and weak and worn out. This is not a call for you to take on more than you can handle. You may be the one who needs to rest now, to rebalance the load and to help yourself accept that you can't do it alone, that you need to be pulled to your feet. 
This community of faith that we call Fairmount and has inclusive and changing boundaries of who is with us on every, any given Sunday, this community is made up of so many different households, and each one is different, and some struggle more than others, and some carry heavier burdens. When we first decided to use the theme of coming home as, a, as the theme for our worship services this fall, one important concern we had was the reality that home for some cannot always be equated with care or with safety. Domestic violence, which is one of the emphases of the Presbyterian Church and awareness of domestic violence, today is that Sunday. We know that it has no racial, ethnic, or socioeconomic boundaries. We know that victims can be young or old, or that they can have any income, any job skill level, and we know that it's been increasing We know that just in Ohio over the past few years, there has been a 20% increase in domestic violence killings from 2019 to 2020 and a 62% increase over 2018 to 2019. While the reasons are many, it's clear that the pandemic left people more isolated, less likely to be able to leave an abuser and less able to access resources. Abusers also had more access to guns and more stressors, such as job loss. The church needs not to be silent when it comes to domestic violence. And that's why it's important to recognize that awareness in our church today, because in every congregation, statistics tell us that both survivors, that many survivors most likely sit in our pews. Not only women but one-third of women will have experienced abuse in their lifetimes. Some of you are listening for words of recognition and understanding and comfort and healing, and you're hoping to hear the church stands with you and wants you to choose life. All of us need to hear a clear message that violence in our homes is against the will of God, that our silence makes us complicit to the suffering And that we, as members of the household of God, carry the duty of living from the light of Christ within us, spreading the light of Christ, and bringing to light all that causes harm to God's beloved children. In our individual homes, in our church family home, and in the wider household of our community, violence has no place and should not be allowed to thwart God's purposes. On the front of your bulletin covers is a picture of the mural near East 9th Street in Superior. Maybe you've seen it in person. It's called Life is Sharing the Same Park Bench, and it was commissioned and done back in 1969, meant to depict four people of different races, genders, and ages all sitting together on the same bench. It's going to be renovated soon and rededicated. But they interviewed the artist's son last week, and he recalled that that simple sentiment, Life is Sharing the Same Park Bench, was controversial at the time. He said, my father was getting death threats from people that they were going to shoot him off the scaffolding. They didn't want that black figure on there, he said. And they were literally calling up the house and threatening him. That's what the son, the child at the time, remembers. 
Artist John Morrill painted the mural in 1969 as the tribute to the first black mayor of a major American city, Carl Stokes. And Stokes' election in 67 had brought the eyes of the nation to Cleveland, especially after the devastation of recent racial uprisings across the country. That mural still is a message of unity resonating during a time when our human family is increasingly divided. Paul said, let's not get tired of doing good because in time, in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. So family of faith, that's our calling, to not give up. Our world's in a constant state of flux and change. Even in the household of faith, don't get weary. Don't get tired with doing good. Don't lose heart. Keep at the good which is of God. Keep looking out for each other. Keep carrying the burdens that can be shared and keep paying attention to your own stuff, your actions, your attitudes. Keep sowing good. Don't give up on the Spirit's work in you because God is nowhere near done with us yet. Keep doing the things to keep the Christ-like ablaze in you to keep that home fire burning in your heart, whether that is chopping wood or preparing meals or loving children or making music, making art or sharing park benches or speaking up for victims of violence or dancing before the Lord or confessing sin and receiving forgiveness or praying for the light of Christ to expand from our hearts in ever-widening circles around us. May God bless our hearts and our homes and may we love strong enough that strangers and family alike are drawn into God's love and into the household of faith that we call home. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.